Galatians 4, 1 through 7. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Today's text reminds me of Batman or the Green Arrow. I'll admit it's a weak connection, but hang with me. Any time I hear language about an heir, my mind goes to characters like Bruce Wayne and Oliver Queen. These underage children of enormous wealth must wait till they can access it. It is an incredibly common storyline. In a series of unfortunate events, the Baudelaire children have to wait till they are older to tap into their parents' immense wealth, while diverting the attempts of Count Olaf to get his hands on their treasure. You may have recently come across the Netflix series called The Witcher. I've played some of the video games and have almost read through all the books, which inspired both. The story here is similar, an heiress to the throne and her journey back. All of these stories have this common thread running through them of the heirs going through great distress to mature into or even earn their rightful place as the recipient of the extravagant position or fortune. We can connect with these characters' storylines because we too will have to go through seasons of great distress to connect with God. As singer Nightbird puts it, I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. And it's true. If you can't see him, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. But I need to be careful not to connect us too much to this air language. There's dignity and respect accounted to an heir, even an unruly, disrespectful, and entitled one. This is more of an illustration than it is an actual reality. If anything, we would connect far more with the slave language. There is no respect shown to a slave, to an enemy, to one who is disobedient but has no connection to the father, especially in these times, if one wasn't a Jew. Furthermore, the stories of these heirs are often growing up through their own experiences and efforts, whereas our stories seem to speak far more towards our own actions driving us further away from the father. And of course, it goes without saying we won't be making our way back to the Father through our own efforts, unlike these underage heirs we read about in books and see on our screens. But where our efforts end, God's grace begins. And that is where the text ultimately meets you today. Because in verse 4, notice it does not say, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son to find those who were truly serious about their faith to find those who are willing to turn from their sins to live a more obedient life. No, instead it says that Jesus was sent to those born under the law, slaves to it, that he might redeem them. It makes absolutely no mention of our part in this process. This is what fancy theological people call monergism. It is putting together the prefix mono or one with a suffix ergon or to work. So taken literally, this means the work of one. God did not go 99 yards hoping you'd QB sneak it in. He did not show you the way up the mountain. He came down the mountain, threw your ragged body on his shoulders, and dragged you up to the promised land. And now, 
You are in the family of God with the best father you could ever have. Your word of encouragement today is this. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir.